Good morning and welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me on the web at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com and by phone at 215-259-3687. You can chat with me through the website, a little drift bot if you want. Anyway, so today I want to talk to you about medical malpractice with a couple caveats. One, my wife is a doctor, so we try and uh, be very careful about which cases we take. (laughs) Two, uh, and no, we did not meet in the middle of a medical malpractice case. So I was a medical malpractice defense lawyer defending doctors and hospitals once upon a time uh, in Boston, and that's kind of how I got to know how to read medical records and how to deal with doctors and how doctors think. Um, I met my wife under totally separate circumstances while I was an assistant district attorney in New York City. So anyway, enough of me. Basically, you know, if we're talking about medical malpractice, the first thing you got to know is that most medical malpractice inquiries do not turn into cases because you need to have rather um, substantial damages to make a case really even worth exploring. So what does that mean? Well, there are two parts of every case. One is liability, or did someone do something wrong? And the other is damages, you know, and, and that means, well, how you hurt. So to give a good example, you know, as a personal injury lawyer, I'm consulted periodically about dental malpractice cases. Most personal injury lawyers don't want to deal with dental malpractice cases because, one, you know, the dental cases are are very much like kind of a judgment call by the doctor and the plaintiff or the person, the injured person will most times lose a case where it's a judgment call by the doctor. So in medical malpractice cases, we're looking for clear negligence and negligence is defined as clear departures from the standard of care. So that's not what the best doctor would do. That's not what your medical school professor or book would do. It's what your average practicing doctor in whatever field they're in would do. So it's not a low bar, but it's also not a very high bar. It's it's kind of mediocre level acceptable conduct. But in the dental context, what do you end up with? Let's say, you know, you need a new bridge because the doctor screwed up how your teeth are placed, or, you know, the doctor didn't make a good bridge for you. Now, that may not sound terribly impressive to you, and it's not to me. One of the big reasons is that your bridge can be fixed, or your teeth can be fixed. So it's the rare dental case where something can't be fixed. Yeah, might it cost 20 grand or 30 grand? Yeah. But is that worth pursuing a case where your total damages are going to be 20 or 30 grand? No, it's not. It may be worth it to you, but it's not worth it to me, and I can tell you, you won't be happy at the end of that case. So... Here's an alternative situation. Someone, you're taken to the hospital, you have terrible belly pain, someone reads um, an ultrasound wrong and decides that you can go home. You go home and you suffer um, an abdominal aneurysm, meaning you're bleeding out in your belly and you die. Is that a case? Yeah because someone read a scan wrong and there's substantial damages. That's probably an easy one, right? 
but there's a whole bunch, a whole range in between where people feel really, really aggrieved and, you know, they got maybe crappy level care, but their injuries aren't that bad. So, you know, I was talking to a, a guy the, you know, I'd say about a week or two ago, a client came to me with a question about, you know, uh, loss of motion in in an arm as a result of, you know, what they perceive to be negligent care. Now, it's it's hard to determine that a doctor caused injury. So you got to be able to kind of put the pieces together and you can't just say, well, the doctor must have done something wrong in this situation. You really got to be very careful with these cases because both the law and jurors are disposed <clears throat> to give the benefit of the doubt. And when you're on the defense side, a lot of what you rely on is that, look, these are highly trained medical specialists. You know, medicine is not an you know, it's, it's part science, part art. Every patient is different. No one quite matches exactly what you see in your textbook. And, you know, you got to have pretty egregious facts to really pursue these cases. And, you know, what ends up happening is that most of the weaker cases get weeded out and not pursued in court by lawyers because the lawyer who does this a lot realizes that they're not worth pursuing. So then the next question clients will often ask is, well, can you write a letter? And I found that I won't write a letter anymore because it's, it's kind of giving the client false hope that something's going to happen. Um, you know, my experience is I, I have not ever written a letter that resulted in any medical anything getting settled by anybody. It's just not kind of, one, how the system works. Two, if a doctor were to make a payment to you, they have to report themselves or their carrier has to report them to something called the National Practitioner Data Bank. And it's a big sort of, I guess, lengthy process towards black marks on the record. It's confidential, so you can't look it up. But if they get three of the reports, then it's a little bit of a bigger issue. But, you know, medical malpractice is a big problem in this country. And, and you know, it's not just a doctor doing something. It's nursing homes. It's um, there's a lot of problems with transition of care from one shift to the next in a hospital. And, you know, there are I think it's like something like the fourth leading cause of death in America is medical malpractice or medical negligence. That's pretty shocking. But, you know, that's across the entire country. There's different care levels in Pennsylvania as opposed to in Wyoming. Um, you know, it may be that Wyoming's better than Pennsylvania, depending on where you are or what the hospital is. But the point being, you need a pretty egregious, clear case of negligence, and you need pretty substantial damages. And what do I mean by that? I mean, that means, you know, you lost a limb, you are dead. You, had, you have had a permanent, severe change in your uh, quality of life. So, you know, those things are, they're, they're not that easy to uh, find. There are plenty of cases out there. And then there are the more subtle, more complicated ones, you know, like, you know, someone has missed, um, you know, uh, signs of a heart attack and person suffers a heart attack and either dies or... Um, has permanent heart damage. 
you know, it's subtle in that the signs to both the patient and the doctor um, require judgment. You got to be careful taking those cases because there's a lot of judgment on both sides. So that's my view of medical malpractice. There's definitely a fair amount of it out there. There's definitely a fair amount of people who are aggrieved and upset by the care they received. Um, but I would say a small subset of those cases become real cases. If you have a case you want to talk to me, it is always free to talk. Uh, I'm a contingency fee lawyer, so you don't pay me by the hour. You only pay me if we're successful. And that's it. I'm happy to talk to anyone at any time about your cases and give you my thoughts on the subject. That's enough for today. That's been Ask Andy about medical malpractice, and I hold people accountable. Have a great day.